You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Our before the after the show discussion was about. Let me just tell you, he thought it would be so boring to you that we shouldn't tell you. I think that's a lot of horseshit because whatever we're talking about, if it's interesting to you and me. No offense to anyone listening. I don't care what they think. We were talking about the English soap <laughs> opera EastEnders. That we watch. How many years have we watched this show? And when we say soap opera, it's a, all the Americans in the audience are going, ugh, soap opera. Yeah, it's not all my children. It's not like General Hospital. Although I have, to be honest, I haven't watched any of those for many years. But it's, and it does have high drama at times, but it's a little more based. It's like you would watch it and go, well, that's very British. Because obviously it's in London and stuff, but Americans would know what I mean. It's not glamour. It's not shiny. They're not rich. They're not glossy. It's not working like, class. It's people. not like Jerry Springer slapped into a soap opera no. all the time. No, it's like working class people, day to day lives, interesting situations, etc. Like sometimes it can get a bit crazy, like a serial killer or something, and then sometimes it can. There wouldn't have been one of those. Well, we've had a weird preacher guy who yeah. was. It was as close to as you could have. Yeah. So there has been a killer. But that's really rare. Most of the time, it's like interesting, like... Let's see. Illegitimate babies. Who's the father of the baby? Who beat up who? Who raped who, unfortunately? We've had a few of those stories. Spousal abuse. And lots of who killed who. Was in that? Yeah, spousal abuse. That's rare, but there's a lot of... So and so died, and oh yeah, there was even like child molesting uh, covered. Uh, Yeah, one time. (laughs) It's pretty. That sounds really bleak, but it's kind of both. It's it's then it's like about how the character copes or doesn't cope. Yeah, and sometimes they mix humor with like something really awful, like in the same almost back to back scenes. Like if we're watching an episode and something kind of wacky is happening, we're like, "Uh oh, something bad's gonna happen. (laughs) Something. These two characters are having some funny banter. And the next scene is going to be something really bad happening. Now, East EastEnders has been on the air nearly 30 years in England. And I'm talking like four times a week. Used to be five times a week, but four times a week for 30 years. I have seen the last 14 years, never missed an episode. That's crazy. Uh, and I've also seen probably seven years of... Here and there. Like, it's on. I'll watch it, you know, when I used to live in England. So, I've watched a lot of EastEnders. You've watched 14 years of EastEnders. Which is crazy. What TV show do you watch 14 years of? Oh, our Barbers said a couple of them were cancelled. It's been on for 70 years. Yeah, but what... You've never watched... Not me, but no. I mean... There Somebody are people who've watched has. All My Children since the day it started. Didn't sure. that get cancelled? I think so. And came back, maybe. I think that might have happened. I don't happen. know. I don't keep up with TV stuff. But anyway, EastEnders, it's BBC. All I care about is Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, it's made by the BBC, so it's kind of really good quality, because the BBC make good quality programming, I think. Might be biased. If you've never seen it, give it a shot. I think it would be hard just to grab a copy of East, uh, an episode of EastEnders and then watch it, though. Because Let me tell you this. What people think about British TV, and then we'll move on to the movie, I assume, is that when I was growing up, there, we have PBS, which is the public broadcast station, network, whatever. And on PBS, they used to do Masterpiece Theatre. And Masterpiece Theatre was the guy in the chair, and then there would be scenes that were basically like a play... That someone had a 1970s camera pointed at. 
And that was it. You played out. The, was that from Britain? A British yeah, it was, show. Yeah, Masterpiece Theater. It's still from, from England, but yeah. I mean, it's that would have that would be some people's impression. And you'd be watching it, and you're like, they're on like a dark stage, and there's just a static camera. Oh right, I see. And they're doing a play, but yeah. it's Masterpiece Theater, and it's very like it's a little bit like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Other than that, that's the only experience I ever had had with British TV. And Monty Python. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know how many people associate that with... Exactly. (laughs) I don't know how many people associate that with... And that would have only been on cable, to my knowledge. I do not know. But Benny Hill is bizarre to me, because (laughs) Benny Hill was a thing that, in England, it was, oh, Benny Hill. Kind of to most people, it was like, oh, Benny Hill's on. But it became this export that everybody went, oh, in Britain, they have this thing called Benny Hill, and... And, it, and it, I think to a lot of British people, it was like, oh, please So don't there you go. Have we that. have Masterpiece Theatre, <laughs> Benny Hill, Both. and Monty Python. That would have been my, any experience through my, even through my teen years into my adulthood of British people and British television. I never watched Bond movies. Oh, it's obviously a bit different now. <laughs> EastEnders has changed over all those years, too. If you sure. go back and watch the first episode, it's Very not 80s. quite as... Yeah, yeah. Not the same thing. It looked a little like Masterpiece Theater. Yeah. We've seen a couple of clips. Pretty much like, in that. There's like a soundstage and a camera. Yeah. It's kind of dark. It looks very dark. And like real, not like glamoured up and lighted up like an American one. No. So, that's our EastEnders discussion for I think week. that was fascinating. I don't care what you say. <laughs> so, it, it is, or it will be when you listen to this podcast, um, Saturday, February the 1st. So, February has arrived. Did January go really quick? Or but that's was that not just me? today. We're doing it early. Did January go really quick? Or is that... My life doesn't go that way. I just take each day as it comes. I felt like January just disappeared immediately. Like it was... Then either you're really, really busy in life or you're really bored. Those are your two options. You wouldn't be really bored if it, it would be really slow if you were bored. No, you turn around and go, oh, where'd that go? My life is just droning away. January's gone. Or you turn around and go, holy shit, I've been so busy. I didn't get. I didn't even pay attention. The time is flying because I've been having such a good time. So, this is after the show number 312. The movie we're looking at this week is Rush. This is a 2013 movie released on Blu-ray on the 28th of January. So, you can pick that up right now. Actually, it came out yesterday as far as we're um, filming. It's not a documentary about a band. No. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Universal. And Sid Talk, you give us a synopsis of Rush. There was a real-life rivalry between two Formula One racers back in the middle of the 1970s, and that's what this is about. The It's true... a dynamics more dynamic than I'm letting on, but I mean, that's what it's about. The true life, slice Story. of life out of these two, this one particular year, the year of 1976. And the two drivers we're talking about are Mr. James Hunt and so Mr. Think, Nicky Lyle. Yeah, I think you're better, because I know zero about yeah. this like zero I, I don't know the difference I didn't know there was more than one formula kind of racing so I know nothing did you think formula was something to give a baby <laughs> yeah but not until I was older <laughs> before I, when I was little it was just milk alright so moving on to the movie Rush um, yeah let me just preface this by my relationship with Formula One right so really? I've always been into racing cars and obviously I'm you see me play racing games all the time. So I love racing. I've never raced a racing car. But I do love racing cars and racing of cars. And I don't like sport. So that is a... I don't see it as sport, though. 
What do you mean? Um, Racing cars is sporting. It is, but I never saw it as a sport. I've always thought, um, mm, all these things are boring. But I get you. You know, this is a, a sport. This is not a sport. So um, when I was like, you know, how old would I have been? Seven, six. Yeah. I used to watch, in, in fact, I remember quite clearly these races between James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. So, 76 was, it was a big deal, obviously. You, you'll tell when you see this movie. And I used to sit down with my dad and my grandma and my granddad. And we would sit and watch these races. They were on a Sunday afternoon. Um, we would sit there and we would... And as you, I, you don't know, but a Formula One race is around, around 70 laps of a track. 74. So, they last, you know, four hours. Uh, it's not a short thing. Like NASCAR is today. So I remember sitting there and watching them. It was always really exciting. And my grandma would buy me little die-cast uh, racing cars. And I had a James Hunt car and a Nicky Lauda car. I can remember them very specifically. I also had, you know, the black car that you see in this movie with the gold writing on it. I had that like because... Mario Andretti. Yeah, be, and I had that because my grandma smoked those cigarettes. <laughs> and she got it free with the cigarettes. <laughs> So I had that little car. So you had a Marlboro car yeah. and the other cigarette car. All these car. cigarette cars. And when we sat I was going to say, when you sat down, watch it. They're all smoky. smoky. Everybody was smoking. So. <laughs> and Hopefully drinking. you're on down the floor below the Playing with cloud. the cars. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I had one of those little slot car racing tracks where you press the button and they go around and they were Nicky Lauder and James Hunt. It was a big deal. I was always fascinated by it. I didn't understand the human drama behind it because I was a kid. But the cars and the color of the cars and... It's would... like wrestling of the 70s would have been in America with the rivalries, except, and I'm going to turn off some people here, but with a, an actual skill. Yeah. The driving skill involved, whereas the wrestling was more all about, I don't know, 70s wrestling might have been different, but I can remember vaguely comp things between wrestlers. Not like it is now. Not right. like the, you know, whatever, Raw and all that shit. But I mean, back then. That is I like remember, a soap opera now. The yeah. wrestling. And back then it was that more of a sporting rivalry kind of thing. A little bit. Not really sporting, but you know. But I um, watched none of it. But the Formula One racing was always interesting to me. I can remember that, sitting on the floor and it was on. And listening to Murray Walker, who's the famous commentator who... They use a likeness of him in this movie. And, you know, that hearing that voice, I knew the racing was on. So I have a history with it. And this movie <clears throat> tells the true story of these two guys. True story. I'm doing quotation marks. I feel this is a little more on the mark, maybe, than the last true stories that we've watched. You mean um, The Fifth Estate? And there was one before that as well. Um, yeah, so... Forget it, though. I knew I was going to like this movie. I didn't know how much. I thought it could have... How could you know you're going to like it? Because the subject matter is definitely... If there's any racing cars going around the track and these dudes are in it... Hmm. I'm going to like it because it's going to bring back memories of watching these Grand Prix mm. when I was young. I didn't know how much I was going to like it because I didn't know how over the top it was going to be with a name like Rush, you know? Like, is it going to be like Fast and the Furious or something? Could have been like the Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> Which one? The one about racing. Oh, yeah. yeah. What was that called? I forget. I can see it. Sasha Baron Cohen was like the bad yeah. guy. It was a rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, I forgot what it's it was It's going to drive you crazy. And you know what? I got it free with my PS3. It was like in the box. <laughs> you did. And I, and I went, and never watched it. I watched about half of it and never finished it. Anyway, so Rush, 
I think it was really, really a fantastic movie. I did too. It's um, and I care nothing about racing or anything, but it was done in a way that drew me in from the minute it started. I, I was think, totally there. Yeah, it's like one of the movies. It's like a, it was two hours long, and I talking about time going past. I thought, wow, is is it over now? Like it, it just whoo, breeze, breeze by because the directing by Ron Howard. It's very, it's fast. Like there's a lot going on. Like I was talking about the Fifth Estate last week. There was a lot going on, and sometimes you get lost by it because there's so much going on. This one. Even if you're a non-fan of racing, I believe you can follow the like story. Like me. And what I think happened, what the different, one of the big differences is, is that last week's show, show, movie, they wanted to squeeze in as many details. Obviously, they left a lot out. It's real life. There's a lot more going on. But they tried to put so much in. Whereas now, when we look up the real lives of these people, a lot of things were cut out sort of just, like, left behind. Like, the fact that one of the racers even had a kid at the time, and that's not addressed at all. So that's just a detail that, well, you know what? Instead of showing her pregnant and introducing the kid and how does he feel about having the kid, slice it out of there. We won't even address it. And that helps streamline, put you in the slipstream <laughs> of the story that you're watching because it's not about that. And last week, they threw in a lot of stuff that might kind of help you, you know, fill in some political details but it could have done with a lot of cutting yeah because this is just about this rivalry that's kind of brewing between these two men and they even strip out every other competitor in the yep. in the race mario andretti apart there. from mario andretti yeah. <laughs> they go oh look mario andretti was a decent racer and he often passed james hunt and nicky lauda so we'll mention his name a couple of times but you might as well they're just a bunch of other cars so it's just really focused on these two guys and um i don't want to spoil this movie because I know it's a real life thing and most people who are into this um, sport know exactly what happened. But it was good for me not to know. Right, and I, I knew. I wasn't sitting there going, I was sitting there going, oh, a Formula One looks dangerous, so or, is somebody going to die? Is somebody not going to die? And so you're on the edge of it the whole time. And I love that feeling of not knowing what was going to happen. And But what does occur is very interesting in the human terms of things. Very. But, you know... Without spoil, it's hard without being spoiling. Being driven to a thing, and in in driven? our daily, oh, ta-da. being highly motivated as a human being in the culture you're in or society you're in for a, a toward a goal. Like I haven't known many people on grassroots levels. I guess we don't know a lot of those people, like people who become presidents and prime ministers and top athletes and top businessmen, Alan Sugars of the world and Donald Trump's like, you don't, I don't come across, I might come across them. They don't not quite motivated enough because they're not there, but there is a, there are, there is a trait in some humans that narrows their vision on a thing. Both of these men appear to have sort of similar motivation. I can't do anything else. Uh, one wants to have a good time. One wants to figure out how to just be the best at it that he can. And that, to me, is what each thing that happens in their lives as we watch it, that tunnel vision is the thing that is inspiring because you think, holy shit, you know, if I'm dealing with one of the what some of this stuff, how much fortitude would I have really, in that moment, to just stay focused on that one thing. I mean, car racing to people and to me seems like, oh my God, it's just to boys and toys. Like, it truly is. It's just lame to me. I don't get it. However, it's a huge thing when it's your life to be the best at that thing and there's nothing else about it. Like, there's nothing else about your life that 
isn't doesn't come behind that thing. And I find that, as you say, you don't want to spoil it, but there are things that happen in their lives, little and big, you know, just relationships and whatnot and whatever. And this is not spoiling anything, but there's a discussion they both have together where one of them says to the other, please carry on racing because my thing wouldn't be as interesting if you weren't right. my competitor. If I didn't have my... Nemesis, or right. a, a, you it know. just inst- it makes you try harder, like doesn't it? Because you have to beat that guy, or you know. Because I think for him saying it, because for him there was only that thing, being the best at that thing, could be a bit boring and hard to motivate yourself. But that was his drive, and to have another person come along who he could use as a fire under his behind was, I think, and I think in life that works too. Like I, you know. But I don't, I'm not that person. I don't know that I know anyone who's that. Maybe some of the people you know in life who are really frustrated. And you find them really dynamic and interesting. And they're really good at things. And people love them. And they're really good at speaking. And they're everything. They, they, you just seem like you could be so much more. That could be the person who could be. But there's one element missing. That motivation. The confidence or whatever. And these two guys are very different type of guys. One's this kind of playboy kind of guy, and the other one's a very serious mathematical kind yeah. of... Yeah, engineering mind. Yeah, and, and you know, he this other guy, would Nicky Lauder, wouldn't be seen dead at a big swanky party, whereas James Hunt wants to be at all the parties. And he wants to be the star of the and party. And wants to be the... Yeah, yeah so... The way a, it's portrayed... It's a yin and a yang. As a and lot yet of they're things. the same. True. Which is what's really interesting about it. Now, what I really liked a lot about the movie is Ron Howard's uh, filming of the actual races. I thought, and a lot, the one that takes place in the rain, specifically, mm. it makes it look extremely dangerous, first off. More dangerous than watching a televised version of it. Because it looks very clinical on TV. Yep. It's, nowadays it does, especially. The cameras are all very smooth, it's in high definition, it all looks very... This is like gritty 1970s racing cars. They look like they're just going to fall apart at any second. And this camera, this cinematographer has got these cameras like everywhere, like jammed in front of people's faces. And it made you feel like you were going really fast. I liked how it was edited together. There's some little bit of dodgy CG, I thought, at some points. A little bit. You know, it looked a bit like James Bondy, where there's a background behind A little bit. Just occasionally, though. But they cut it so fast, it never kind of went, oh, God, that's horrible. But I thought it felt exciting. I was thinking, watching it, how does this feel to somebody who doesn't even understand this sport or know what this sport is? That'd be me. But it probably still felt exciting. Because it was like, it's pretty clear. There's this red car, there's this... It locked me into the, not an understanding, because I can't understand it, but into the idea of a person who, like, particularly one time they show... Right over his shoulder, it shows his hands and squeezing the thing, and they're kind of rattling. Wheel. And the thing, <laughs> the the dials Tachometer. in front of him are kind of rattling, and he takes, like, a deep breath or something. And I'm thinking, you know, every day, um, my job is a particular thing. I work in a data center. There are computers. There's a desk. There's a chair. You sit down. And when I sit in that spot, I get a certain... Thing Like a certain, not professional, because I'm low, not quite professional, but I get a certain, like, okay, task on. I'm here. There's the phone. If it rings, I know what to do. There's a thing I got to click. I know what to do. Over here is a thing I got to do. And I'm in my Not that you can compare that to being in a What I'm saying is, I'm in my little, 
I'm in my cockpit or in my seat of there's a certain familiarity about it that makes me feel a certain level of comfort. You get in that car and I've never really thought about it before, but you know, your vi- your body's vibrating and it, there's got to be a moment of like, well, you know what? Maybe some of them hate it, but I bet the ones who are like totally into it, are like this is where I belong. The title of the movie rush makes is exactly yeah. what they're talking about. Um, Double meaning. So yeah, I, I think it was filmed really well. Um, let's move on to the cast because that's what I wanted to. So Chris Helmsworth, who you know as Thor, recently plays James Hunt, fantastically. I thought very good. And I've seen lots of interviews with James Hunt. Not only does he look like him, not really, but he does some facial things. That and he doesn't the movements look like of him, him yeah. that you get, you can tell that he's been studying him. If you watch an interview with James Hunt, you'll see just the vibe of him as well. Like, um, and the accent's pretty good. Yeah, because you know? he's Australian, right? Or he's Australian he... and then he's playing British, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and it's quite a different accent compared to his. Um, I didn't really have a fault with him. He was he me was... either. I liked him a lot, and I'm familiar with how James Hunt looks. So, he, and as soon as he was, I was like, okay, I can buy him as a James Hunt. And then Nicky Lauder's played by Daniel Bruhl, who until last week I had no idea who this guy was. No. He, he was in last week's movie, The Fifth Estate. So much better this time he around. He was amazing in this movie. Really good. I. Because he's like such a cold kind of character, Nicky Lauder, he's very, like I said, technical and very, like, driven in this weird way. Like, it's not James Hunt. It, he had to kind of be cold, like, play play this thing cold. Even with his wife, like... Cold, but then always gave you that, like, he's he's human inside. <laughs> There's but, a human but, inside and that And the relationship made. with him and his wife I liked. It where was beautifully done. He, um, even, you know, at, at a race... And then maybe he'd win a race, and his wife's there. There's this understanding. This comes. I'm not first. this emotional man, right? And, and this comes yeah. first. And she would just look but at him that, and but wink. To him, it's like it's not a bad thing that this is first, right? That doesn't. And you just read it all in the way that he could look at her. Yeah, absolutely. I, I liked it, it when amazing. he proposed to her. Actually, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the funniest things. <laughs> yeah, if I have to spend time with someone. Might as well be you. Yeah, it's just like oh, a poet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's really good. So yeah, he he had to play this cold exterior, and without any spoilers, he has to play this. And without it being like a caricature of like a what you would think of as an Austrian or German, sort right? Of cold. And when you meet the real person in the interviews, you can see he's not that. His mind is just very clinical, like it's straightforward. That uh, no bullshit. Like if you know anybody who's a straight talker, that seems like this guy. Yeah. But without being like ruthless or like horrible he just he just to me it was like i liked him and then i was like oh why do you have to be such a dick and then i was like but i like you i'm becoming a fan of this actor though yeah now now i'm like wow i've seen two movies and i i think he was quite good in one and very good in this one i want to see more of this guy you know he's a famous actor in the country he comes from probably getting a lot of attention two dvds two blu-rays released in a short amount of time and a big ron howard movie i mean like you know it's so yeah, I really, really liked him, and the second half of the movie, mm-hmm. when he, mm-hmm. I, the scene in the, yeah, that yeah. scene, I don't want to spoil it, <laughs> I, I thought it was an f- amazing performance, because I could feel like somebody's drive. Absolutely, that's exactly to, what I felt like, that cemented in my mind, that there are people, I'm not one of them, who can override every amount of 
obstacle in their way with this. And not only tunnel vision, it becomes like a pinprick of vision. Like there is only one thing that I am headed toward and no amount of pain or suffering or problems or bullshit or drama is going to distract me because it's just not. And I admire that to a degree. It can be the making of a person. I also find it a bit, it's kind of overwhelming to think someone's that. And that scene was very unpleasant for me. <laughs> oh, I bet it was. <laughs> oh, I does. I, I was like, oh, 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 shit. So um, Olivia Wilde plays Susie Miller, who is James Hunt's wife for a brief spell. And if you know anything about the true story, James Hunt's wife went and had an affair with Richard Burton, who, who everybody probably knows, Richard Burton. She didn't just have an affair with him, she married him. And then ended up marrying yeah. him. And it was very public, and it kind of... It marred his career a little bit. It was like he was this womanizer, and he got the bad end of it, That Did even he? though she went off to... Yeah, it was like... Because it didn't left show him. that in the movie. No, it, in the press it was like she left him because... He was a woman. He was just this guy who's just all over the all these different women. Which in the movie it kind of shows you some of that, but when he's with her, it doesn't like it. Correct, but then she says it. Right. The infidelity. So. Yeah. So um, Olivia Wilde plays that character fine. I don't think she was like you said. It didn't really matter. Could have been anybody. And then I just put down the other wife, who's Alexandria Maria Lara, and she played Marlene Lauder, and. Um, I think she does an amazing job, even though she doesn't speak I think speak she much. did better than Olivia Wilde. Absolutely. Because, yeah. The, she doesn't have to speak because Nikki Lauder doesn't really want her to speak. Like, they've got an agreement between each other and a about, lot of it... About driving. Yeah. Let's put about it that driving. Yeah. So when he's driving and she's always there, she's loyal, she comes to see him, there doesn't need to be a discussion between them. Like, you know, you feel, oh, they've had a discussion. But during... When he's on... When he's on the stage. It's like she accepts that that is what it is. And and he's amazing and nothing. I, I don't need to say anything to him. Even when the scene where he, he's won a race and he walks into the paddock and she's there. And they just kind of exchange glances and that's it like. And then he goes off to do the press thing. Right. There's no hugging. There's no like he doesn't. It's, it's an interesting relationship and portrayed well. I think, by them. Because it's an interesting way to think about if you are with a person who has this drive, that not that you are less important, but it is a priority in that person's life. You can't you can't undo the person just because you want more of their time or their attention. Because the thing they're doing is their life. You are part of their life, but that thing, it's like their arm. It is... It's like you coming up and saying, you know, coming up to me and saying, well, I don't like that you draw, so I'm going to cut off your right arm just so you can't draw anymore because I don't want you to spend time drawing because I want you to spend And time she with had me. this, like, she never said, don't do this. She. From what, how it's portrayed, yeah. she just said her one thing that one time and he just said, don't I get say what a word. you're doing. But in a decent way, like, as if to say, this is. But then there were scenes where she was just looking and I was like, all those things I was thinking of. You know, a husband could be killed at any second mm-hmm. when she's looking at, you know, or, and she also has to have the other feelings of, uh, he's amazing, look at him, he's winning, or, oh, this battle is going on. So she portrayed that really well. Um, so this is directed by Ron Howard. Who? This this little guy. What's he ever Ron. done before? I don't actually Is he new know. to the business? Fairly new. <laughs> or has he been in the business since he was like three freaking years old? Yeah, something like that. And he's like, what now, 70? He looks like he might be. <laughs> he's good, Grandpa. Grandpa Opie, I swear. He um, directed. He's a grandpa. 
many other movies. Uh, Willow, remember that movie, yes. Willow? I love Backdraft, Willow. Apollo 13, Frost Nixon. Grand um, Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto was his first film. It's not the greatest film. Yeah, but we should watch it. I, I have seen, seen it before. I have seen it. You probably would say it's not the greatest. I film. didn't realize that he did Frost Nixon, and if I did at the time, I'd forgotten. Well, we re- we did review it. And He's talk awesome. About it. Yeah, and and I agree with somebody who said this movie. You can either say you can say, well, I do see Ron Howard in there, but I don't, and I agree with that completely. And I think that's a bonus. And I think it's like when we watch Spielberg films and precisely. go, "That that's one's like a Spielberg film. That one isn't, What's even like though he made movie? it." I think Saving Private Ryan. I've all feels like a Spielberg E.T. feels like a Spielberg movie. Catch me if you can. Doesn't, but it does. I don't think Saving Private Ryan does at all. Oh, I think it does. I don't know. I think Warhorse does, but I think Catch Me If You Can, and I think what's the one? Terminal. The Terminal do not, but then again they do because there's something about them that the quality. And this is a bit like that, yeah, isn't it? It's like it's. I think maybe because it's like when you watch something like Backdraft. It's this huge Hollywood movie. And I know this is as well. But it also feels a bit, like they said on the thing, experimental almost. Mm-hmm. Like the camera angles, the, it, that all feels... And I know that's not Ron Howard, because he has the cinematographer doing all that right. True, but he is... You have to also realize, you know, Backdraft was what? 80s? Yeah. Late 80s? Around? Or Apollo 13. It's super glossy you're also, And you're also limited by your technology. Technology has, it has completely changed, in our, even in our own last, like, five years. Yeah. Of what... I could go to the store right now, invest a couple thousand dollars in sound and camera equipment, and make a movie that looks like this. Yeah. I mean, it may not be the scope of it, but I mean, looks-wise, I can do certain things... That didn't exist before, so... And he seems slightly progressive, maybe a little stuck in his ways, but willing to go with the technology. Like, I think that's, that cinematographer, that cinematographer guy... Helped. I think that cinematographer said, yeah. look, we can do this, this, and this, and he's like, oh my god, we can? Let's do it. Let me see what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's see what how it tells my story, and if it does what I want. And that's his old-fashioned bit. Like, yep. I've got to tell the story, first and foremost. And he, you we don't want he, gimmicks. He says, I love movies, and I totally believe that. I've watched some directors and actors who say, oh yeah, I love movies, and I don't believe them. I believe that they are in it as a business, and they would sit and watch every movie with a pick and a knife going, nah, that's stupid, that sucks, I could have done that better. I think he would sit and watch movies and while you have to take that technical hat off i think he does really enjoy the whole thing of it i it appears to be so and that makes a difference i think yeah so uh, moving on to extras here and because what did the one with tom mm, cruise look like i don't think i ever watched that one days of thunder was it as dynamic or was it more yeah, of a that was tony scott so it was pretty stylized right. and very in your face you know Tony Scott had a stamp all his own. Yeah, he did. We will say that. A Tony Scott movie looked like a Tony Scott movie. Yeah, and it always very action-packed and very, like, in and your face. deep and kind of dark. And um, So there are some extras on this disc. Um, there is the Race for the Checkered Flag, The Making of Rush. And what it is, basically, it's a bunch of featurettes all strung together to make this long 30-minute making of. And it, I thought it was good... I mean, I thought some of it was kind of superfluous, kind of, you know, promoting the movie kind of stuff. But the interviews with Ron Howard, I, you can see his enthusiasm, even at this age. Like, at this he's just age. into it. Like, he, he's, and I feel like he's, 
he didn't know much about Formula One. I know he's into cars and stuff, but he didn't know much about this sport. But you could tell he was interested in this, you know, sport. Um, right. Somebody told him this story, basically. I think that it's better not to know, because you might come into it with a little too much... If you love Formula One racing, he might have come in with a certain, you know, like... A certain romanticized version of it, instead of just coming at it clinically, like, "Whoa, this is you know we're racing." I, and I'm sure fast. some Formula One people will say this is a romanticized version of it, of the story or of the driving. Of the story, because the driving feels pretty. Uh, not, I don't know, but it feels pretty raw and like I, I felt the, the danger. The story sure. is pretty romanticized, I think. Um, and then there's the real story of Rush, an in-depth look at the events and characters behind the true story. Now, I was hoping this was like interviews with Nicky Lauda. James Hunt, nothing to do with the, the movie or racing even, sadly died. Mm-hmm. But Nicky Lauda's still around. Like, uh, And yes, there were some interviews on here with him. But I was hoping for a whole thing about him and the history between him talking. And more clips and more. But you can go out and look at it all. Yeah, so you can. But on here... That's how they did their research. He went to YouTube and he looked at old clips and shit. So I think, you know, we can do the same thing. And And Ron Howard is 60, by the way. This year he's 60. He was born in 1954. I would have said older. And he immediately... It seems like before he came out of the womb, I think he was doing Opie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and there's deleted scenes, which, you know, there's a bunch of deleted scenes there, just deleted scenes. Yeah, I don't care about deleted scenes anymore, And they're I'll very, like, very, like, uh, there's a deleted scene that says, James punches a mirror, and literally what you see is James punch a mirror, and that's the scene. So... I don't know why you would expect something else. Well, you know, you might expect there's some scenario around him punching the mirror that's there interesting. Was. We saw why. Yeah, but... Yeah. It was pretty much... It, you could see why it was removed. Uh, and then it says on the back here, additional features, Ron Howard, a director's approach. Now, as far as I can tell, and we were in the extras menu, that isn't actually on here. I didn't see it. No. There was nothing other than those. No, so I don't know why that's on the back of there, because we didn't see it. Unless it's a BD Live feature that you have to connect to the internet the for. BD Live didn't even have a link on there. Um, because the disc isn't out yet, maybe? Might be one of those. So, in conclusion, what do you think? I loved it. I think that... Even if you're not a fan of racing. Absolutely. Because if you tap into the the human thing about it and, you know, I don't know about everyone, but you question sometimes like, well, I have some skills and I have this particular thing that I'm kind of good at. Why don't, why am I not motivated? Why don't I get the tunnel vision? Why don't I motivate and move forward and tackle any, every obstacle and deal with everything that could possibly come in my way or every challenge so that I can focus on that thing and make that my life. For me, it'd be art. and But I don't because I don't have it. Any little obstacle, it's like, oh, that's really hard. I'd rather not do that. I'll just do it for fun and then leave it at that. So I'm interested in that. That really got to me throughout the whole movie. How far... And it's a real portrayal to me of a story in a period of time when we can actually look back and find true things about these people so i didn't feel like it was super exaggerated and obviously it's a 19 it's all set in the 70s right so. there's lots of footage there's yeah. lots of pictures lots of stories lots of people still alive who knew them and everything so i felt comfortable focusing on what it was about these two driven men that i i kind of i think that's what made me like it so much we just i kept thinking about it what drives people? 
I know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. What motivates people? What drives more? What pushes people? What, you know, and that's what I got out of it more than anything else. More than the Playboy thing. More than the him being against, like, this sort of straight-laced Austrian guy. But I mean about, you know... The car racing was just symbolic of and what to, you could do in life. I liked how it kind of um, pulled no punches as well, because it doesn't portray James Hunt as the most awesome person in the first, you know, half of the movie. I didn't you think could, bad about him. Nah, you could almost dislike him. Only if you're a snob. No, I, I could think. say you could almost dislike him. The, some of the things he says, some of the just flippant, being real flippant about things... You mean about life and women and stuff? Yeah, he's kind of rude, really rude to Nicky Lauda the first time he meets him. Like, right, but that doesn't make him like a bad person or anything. Not a bad person, but kind of asshole-ish. They both seem like assholes throughout yeah. the movie at different points, but it doesn't mean they are assholes. No. Because, you know, James Hunt is right, remembered as this... Very dynamic, dama- you know, good and bad. Him, like, yeah. Not everybody loved him, they said. No, so. but he was like a public... The public liked him a lot. Like, it was a... But that doesn't mean anything. When you might be struggling... Obviously, we see scenes where you think, okay, he's troubled on the inside, and that's where all this outward, like, enthusiasm and, like, sort of self-destructive behavior comes from. So very rude to his wife at one point. In the worst way. Worst possible way. To his wife? Yeah. I have to remember. About the model. About going selling. Oh, I think that's the worst possible way. It's pretty bad. (laughs) Wow, you're kind of a prude or something. That's not prudish, but that's like, that's nothing. I think he said vapid. Yeah, your vapid face, basically. Go sell some moisturizer cream with your vapid face. Pretty bad insult. That's not the worst insult you could say to somebody, that being a model seems pointless. She could have turned around and said, and being a race car driver isn't, but she didn't in this tale. I don't think that's the worst. Although I appreciate that you think that's really bad, that means you're never ever rude to me. No, I'm talking about. Way, I'm talking about a person like her. The way he insulted her is obviously aimed. Actually, that was quite clever. It showed me that he was a little more intelligent than I gave him credit for. I feel like he came across as an ass. But then, <laughs> for a person who like is idolized, kind of in the Formula One world, they didn't, you know, paint a, like a picture of him on a pedestal. That was not what they did with him. Uh, so, um, I recommend this highly because I, I really too. like Formula One and I thought it was a good, well-told... There's, there's definitely some embellishments. So, sure. if you're a Formula One fan and you know the whole story, there's going to be things where you go, that didn't happen. Like you, like a thing you said and there's another, yeah. another thing in particular. But, as far as the movie go, those things work. Well, you'll know that didn't happen. You will if you the, followed the whole thing. Not and, really, because that could have been something that only one person, that person, told somebody else. I mean, Nicky Lauda spoke about that. Right. And said, that didn't happen. Now he's talking about yeah. it. He didn't talk about it before. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. If you want to go and enter a contest this week, you can go to com. You can win a copy of The Fifth Estate, which stars... Um, Daniel Brule. That was last week's movie. And you can win a copy of that on Blu-ray. Uh, you can also win a copy of Badges of Fury and a single shot. Next week's Blu-ray review is about time. Richard Curtis's new movie, Love Actually. I'm if excited. If it wasn't Richard Curtis and you looked at that cover, you would have rejected that movie so fast. I would, but because it says from the director of Love Actually at the top. Yeah, but I don't understand your brain. How can you think you'll like it just because of that? I don't know if I'll like it, but I like Richard no, Curtis's work. No, you think you'll like it. You actually are convinced you will like it. I will it. see. I might hate it. 
You don't think that. You're just saying that from a benefit. I have liked all of Richard Curtis's movies. <laughs> you're like, you are. You equals optimist. I equal nothingness. I'm like, how can you possibly know? Like, I love certain... Just because I love you too doesn't mean I'm going to like all the music they make. I don't know. I, I, no, I never said I would like it. I say I like Richard Curtis movies. It might be the first one I've di- I dislike. But we'll see next week when we review it. So, <laughs> you can't even try to be pessimistic. Like, it's not even in your makeup, is it? There isn't one at all. Here's one thing I was going to say about Ron Howard. There are people that I watch in extras, da- directors, actors, and whatnot, and when they say things like, this isn't fresh and this isn't new, I just want to reach through and, like, smash their face because I just hate that shit. But when he says it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm, like, mesmerized by even- Richie Cunningham because I'm like, I think I... I trust his opinion. <laughs> I validate that Ron Howard knows what the hell he's talking about. And he can say the same shit to me that sounds really Hollywoody. And I just go, yeah, yeah I totally get it. Definitely. If um, McGee <laughs> would have said that, <laughs> yeah. you, would have, like, you would have wanted to punch the screen. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know because I've never oh, seen him. Oh, the in guy who made Riddick. If he said that. <laughs> Who's the guy made Rick? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You'd be like, Ugh. I hate that guy. <laughs> Why do they sound so pretentious? <laughs> but when Ron Howard says I'm like, oh, yeah, we're not fresh and new. Yeah, I get it. So movie recommendations <laughs> this week. I am going to recommend two movies, one that I saw last year and one that I saw this week, actually, both involving cars. The first one is Senna, which is on Netflix now. That's spelled S-E-N-N-A. Yeah, which is Ayrton Senna. He's a famous Formula One driver, and it's his life story, but it's a documentary. Um, lots of real footage from all the races, lots of horrible crashes. Everything Formula One's famous for, plus the true story of this guy. I'd like to see his story made into mm. a Hollywood movie, too. It's pretty interesting. It's on Netflix. It's called Senna. And the second one is on Hulu. And you don't need to have a Hulu Plus account. It's on the free version of Hulu. Just go to Hulu.com and search for Kaz, K-A-Z. And that is the... It's a new documentary that came out last week. And it's Kaz. I don't know his second name. I do know his second name, but I can't pronounce it. But he's the creator of Gran Turismo, the video game. And he is a complete car nut. In fact, his statement his operating statement is when i make a game it's like the equivalent of car pornography like that's how much i'm into cars every single bolt of that car needs to be perfectly detailed i won't settle for anything less and it's the a documentary about him how gran turismo came to be how it was all made the history of the whole thing it's been 15 years since the first one and the anniversary of gran turismo this year and it's really interesting. You get to see a lot of behind the scenes at Sony. Do any of the games you've ever played refer to James Hunt and Nikki? Yes, there was one. Um, I think it was a test drive game, Test Drive Legends. And it had all the famous Formula One duels between. And one of them was these two. So, yeah. How many famous duels have there been? There's been lots over the years, like where it's been different. You know, big races, even recently, like Schumacher, you know. How is he, by the way? I don't know. I've not seen anything more about that. <laughs> like, he's our friend. It's not yeah. our friend or anything, but I mean... He and, you know, there was a thing. There's a race car driver who probably has put his life at risk many, many times being a race car driver. And how does he get injured? Skiing down the hill. Yeah. That's dangerous, too, but I'm saying, ugh, how frustrating. So, that second documentary is called Kaz. 
and uh, it's on Hulu and it's free. It's a, it's about 90 minutes long. It's really interesting. It was a good thing James Hunt didn't go skiing with his wife that day. True. So your recommendations are? Gone with the Wind. And the only reason I can say Gone with the Wind is because this movie, to me, is almost like an epic love story. But not like a love story. But it's epic, in my mind, about human... Um, for Like fortitude you know now they are battling their own selves and they put themselves in an industry and a job and all that stuff but in gone with the wind it's like it's sort it's very dramatic it's very hollywood obviously but it's also the human spirit of just forging through something as terrible as a war even though it's highly dramatized and it's really when i was watching extras of this and talking about trying to put together what the 70s look like then I was thinking of Gone with the Wind, and they were doing the same thing. They had to go back. It was 1930s, and they were making a movie that looked like Civil War. True. So, I don't know why it came to my mind. Just like, you know, technology and everything is one thing, but when the people making the movie really want to put you back in a place in time, that's, to me, that just came to my mind. And what's the other one? I forget. <laughs> Far and away. Because I think that was the first time I was ever aware of Ron Howard as a director. Now, I didn't know that he did Willow way back in the day. I wasn't, probably wasn't thinking about directors then. But I liked Far and Away. It's super romanticized and it's very formulaic in terms of, you know, but it also is an epic thing about just getting through life, doing really hard times. It's kind of like Gone with the Wind. One of my favorite moments is when she pisses off, it's Ron Howard's brother playing the guy in the chicken or in the factory where she's working and she says something rude to him and he says you've just lost a day's wages do you want to lose another one and then she says something else like fuck off or whatever she says to him and i don't know it always sticks in my mind it's a good movie it's a good movie so games and a scully stuff what have i been playing this week there's a new ps plus game for the playstation vita so if you're a playstation plus member you don't have to pay for it and it's a new vita game and it's called smart as smart as see what they did smart as yeah, I get it. Right, and... Um, Are you being a smartass? Essentially what it is, is... Remember Brain Age? Yeah. It's Brain Age for the for the Vita. Ah. And it's hosted by John Cleese. He's the voice, which is cool to start with. And what it does is it gives you a set of tests each day. And it, there's a calendar, like Brain Age. And you do the set of tests and you try and improve on the tests each day. And it, it tests you on mathematics, um, logic, and like spelling and whatever mm. category that is and you do it gives you four random tests each day you do them and it gives you a percentage and it breaks down your brain it shows you your brain in four different sections and how big each side of it is so it's essentially a brain age ripoff but it's a lot slicker than that if you it's know it's not a ripoff necessarily it's but... very slick it's yeah. very sony I, I like to say how they do things so it's really so then the Vita is a Game Boy ripoff yeah pretty much okay but um, it's cool. Uh, it suffers from the same thing as Brain Age does in that when you've done your test for the day, you pretty much nothing else to do. And I'm not that kind of player, am I? You like, can go in there and I do like... I need to do it for an hour. I can't stop. I have well, to you can do going. like free tests, but they only unlock after you've done so many days. So right. it's the same thing. So I did it. I've, I'm on my second day now. And I did it at midnight. I actually picked it up and went, oh, I'll do this now. And I did it, and then now I switched it on and there's nothing to do. <laughs> right. So it suffers from that. You have to do it every day, and you'll get ten minutes of fun, and that's it. Like, that's like with the Wii. 
sport thing, you know, they where you do your little test every day yeah. to do your balance. And then you're done. And you can't that. redo it. You can't. Yeah, and it gets a little boring after a while. There's nothing new to it. It just measures your stuff, and then you're done. And that doesn't enough to motivate. Now, there's a lot of games and puzzles. Why and can't tasks. I get tunnel vision about being healthy? <laughs> like this... I'm going to be skinny and healthy for the rest of my life, and that's all I'm going to think about, and that's what everything I do is going to focus on that. But then I think, yeah, but I really want that donut. So what's that? Which has nothing to do with smart as, but um, it has lots kind of different. Of. Maybe if I did smart as every day, I would overcome this mental block that I have about exercising and eating healthfully. It seems to me, for the four sections of the brain, it has like four or five different mini games, and some of them involve the actual Vita, like moving it around. There's one way you have to. There's a a block, and you got to get it into a hole, and you do it by tipping it, and you you move, slide it around the board. Uh, there's one where you have to it's to test your reaction time so it's like there's buttons on the screen and some of them say front and some of them say rear and you have to press either the front or the rear of the, right. as quick as you can to, to make them all fall down so it's like front, 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 rear, rear and it it's messes kind of mind boggling it messes with your brain a little bit so it's smart as it's free if you're PlayStation Plus you need to own a Vita obviously my other game I've been playing this week is on the PC and it's called Mechanic Simulator 2014. <laughs> and why I was interested in this is we used to play a game on the PC how long ago? 13, 14 years ago. Called almost. Gearhead Garage. 2000 probably? Yeah, and it was literally like it was you were a mechanic and it was like a puzzle game. But here's what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> And it was a puzzle game, right? Like, it was like... Um, the pace, the customers come in, and she says that she's got a knock in the back, and it might be this, and these are the parts you need. And then you have to undo the car, and then... And then you get scored on... I don't know if it was how fast you did it, or was it? Was it this... I don't remember. Now, this one is not... There's no... It's... A customer brings in a car, it says... Uh, exactly. There's some knocking on the right-hand side of my car. I don't know what it is. Now, you can put it up on the lift, and you can examine the car. You can even read the car's computer to see if there's any faults on there. And it's a lot more detailed than Gearhead Garage. It's very graphically cool-looking. All the pieces... If you have to strip the engine, it's not just four pieces. There's lots of pieces. Like in Gearhead Garage, it was like four big pieces. In this, every little piece comes out. And then you have to go on the internet, and you have to order the parts, and then wait for them to arrive, and then fit them on the car. It's you don't like, mean go on the internet. You mean no, in the in game. The game. Yeah. There's a computer, <laughs> you go on there, you say, I need a rear axle for a Ford Fiesta, and then a couple of days it's shipped, and then you replace it. So it's like you're a small business simulator as well Ooh. as a mechanic simulator. Um, it's on Steam. Uh, I think it's... I don't know how much it costs. It's $10, I think. It's got a big career mode, like, and what's really cool is when you fix the car, or you think you fix the car, you can take the car on the test track, which is basically outside of the garage, you're just driving around the, like, a bit of rough wasteland, but you can test the suspension, and you can listen while you're in the car and go, oh, is that knocking gone, or is it still there, or is there some other noise? And then it gets more progressively complicated. Like it, like at the beginning, it's like uh, I don't know why my car won't start, and then you open it up and the spark plug's missing or something. Eventually, it's like right. I don't even know what's wrong with my car. Can you fix it? It doesn't work. <laughs> and then you got to look at everything. Right. And every single piece of the car is a different. When you look at it in the mechanic view, 
it's a different color ranging from green that it's perfectly fine to like really bright red where it's like failing so you've got to like examine everything and sometimes you've got to take half of it apart to find a part that is broken on the inside that sounds like real life and it's really fun like i like though i don't i wouldn't like to be a mechanic in real life but there's something satisfying about taking something apart and then it working again that's why i fix computers probably exactly there's something satisfying about that or even when you know something satisfying about the other day i uh, went in the bathroom and our bathroom exhaust fan was making a horrible noise i took it all out of the housing i cleaned it all down and then i lubricated it all put it all back up and now it's like 100 percent better right well 90 percent better <laughs> it's not gonna be 100 percent better for, for the age of it and it's now like, you're on oh. the verge of taking apart your treadmill and figuring that out. I yeah. can just tell. So, like, there's something satisfying about fixing things, and this game satisfies that. So it's uh, Mechanic Simulator 2014. I don't know why they had to put the, na- the, the year on the end. Because next year they'll do a new one? Probably. <laughs> but, yeah, um, you can get that on Steam. So that's it for this week for my gaming. What's for dinner? What is for dinner? I don't know yet. Because my mother, my free-spirited mother, is coming to town, or is probably in town by now. And you never know. You never know if she wants to come over here and try some vegetarian food to tell me that tofu tastes like tofu, but it's fine. Or if she wants to take me out to supper or if I'm going to make you something. I don't know yet. Today is a mystery. It is not... We don't have a schedule or a plan. I love it. And your advice is? My advice is be really good at something. Even if you don't ever do anything with it. Like a lot of people think you have to attach some sort of profession or money-making scheme to go with a thing. Well, why should I bother learning how to fix a car if I'm never going to be a mechanic? Well, or fix computers or fix the fan in the bathroom. Like, I have met a few people in recent years and you say to them, so what, do you have like a thing that you do? Or do you like movies? Uh, Do you do make anything? No. Do you play video games? No. Uh, crochet anything (laughs) nothing these are people and i'm not exaggerating in fact i'm probably under exaggerating or under they literally wake up get ready for work they go to their job which they see as well i gotta go to work gotta make the money blah 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 they muddle through their day they come home they sit down maybe watch some tv but you can't get them to commit to what they like on tv there's like "Eh, whatever and then they go to bed there's no, there's no favorite foods, there's no favorite restaurants, there's no, not even like people that I don't identify with, like, oh yeah, every Sunday my friends all come over and we watch football. At least that's something. That's not something to be good at, but that's something. I'm talking about people who, to me, are like blank. Like, I don't get it. I don't get the, I don't, you're on a, you're a puppet on a string, right? You're like on a, on a rail or something like that. Like, you're going through one of those rides at, a, at an amusement park, you get in the cart and you're just like... Rolling through, rolling through the cave, watch everything go past, and when you get done, you're like, hmm, whatever, let's True. just do it again. And I don't get that. I think that if you find something you are good at, or at least you feel passionate about, if you do love sports, you love video games, it is your thing, and movies, and computing in general, those are things that fill your life with, hmm, 
I'm going to say meaning because there's no, to me, there's no meaning to any of that. But I mean, it fills you up with anticipation and excitement and you get really good at doing the computer thing. You learn to kind of critically think when it comes to talking about movies and you learn to also critically think when you're kind of examining these human dramas that we watch. Or you learn to turn your brain off and watch something kind of frivolous and funny and you learn the difference and it, it excites you to think about a movie that's deep and weird like, you know, um... To the Wonder, and then just have fun with a movie, something I'm sure we've watched recently that's just... Borat. Okay, that's something you would find extremely like, (laughs) or a jackass, grandpa's jackass thingy, whatever that is. That one, you just let it go. Bad grandpa, right. And, but it's all part of the same thing for you. Like, I'm interested. Oh, what's this next thing? What's this next thing? It gets you through with a sense of excitement and looking forward to things. I have, like, drawing where I I, I have, like, a weird relationship with my drawing because there are days when I just think about it all day, but I don't do it. And there are other days when I do it all day, and it's it's so satisfying. And I'm not saying I'm good at it, but it's a thing that makes me have lots of pleasure. Like, and I don't understand, I cannot identify with someone who has nothing like that. Now, maybe deep inside of them they do, or maybe they don't get what I'm asking, but I just think you need to be good at something or have a thing that, and you never know what it could be. Like, I never thought in a million years I would like gardening in any way, shape, or form. It's like, ugh, it's outside, it's sweaty, it's dirty, and I really, really love it. Now, I don't get tunnel vision about it or anything, but I really enjoy it, planting it and watching it grow and eating the tomatoes and all that stuff. If I didn't have other things that I was that interest that equally interested in, I might focus on it like all year round and really, you know. So if you're listening to this and it's been pointed out to you that you have no thing, <laughs> that you are just a puppet on a string, maybe you should find something. Well, you're listening to this podcast. So maybe that means you like movies or you like podcasts or you like British accents or you like me, whatever. don't get obsessed with any of those things but just you know find a thing it makes life so much better okay so on that point unless your thing is horrible and it hurts people and it hurts you don't do you know what I'm saying on that bombshell (laughs) I want to remind you about our websites ascoli.com sidtar.com catch us on twitter and facebook twitter and facebook twitter and (laughs) facebook I barely say anything on Twitter, so if you're looking for me to be really wise and shit, that's probably not going to happen. You can also catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, uh, Stitcher.com, or go to the RSS feed, ascoli.com, click on the word podcast, you can subscribe there. Email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Don't forget to enter one of our contests, the word contest, at the top of ascoli.com. And... After the show does have a Facebook page, by the way. It does. Uh, And... Stay classy, Mr. Ron Howard. Very classy. I Except think. when he's on. Except Howard when he's on Howard Stern. Stern and he's not classy at all. Because he's always late to Howard. Are there any strippers on today? <laughs> oh, no, don't tell me that about Richie and Opie. He'll say, am I here on a day there's any strippers? And they'll go, no, unfortunately not. And he'll be like, oh, why can't I come when, they, when, when are they on? Tomorrow? No, <laughs> oh, I could have come tomorrow. <laughs> he's always like that. He's about. funny. I'm going to say, think for yourselves or someone will do it for you.